Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this episode of Travel Times. This is a subsection of podcasts from Trundlebed Tales, where we look at people's hobbies and travel destinations to see if there's something you might want to try too. And our topic tonight is going to be quilting with Linda Halpin. But before we get started on that, we have just a little bit of housekeeping. And that's just to remind you that any time that you are uh, listening to one of our programs live, you can both stream on the computer where we will have a chat going and also call in. So if you want to, uh, you want to give a comment or ask a question, or if you just want to listen while you're on the move so you don't have to sit there listening to the computer, you are sure uh, welcome to call, and the number is 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll-free, 1-877-633-2484. That's toll free one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. And after this episode is over, you can catch the archive on the um, you can catch the archive either streaming through the website or on iTunes. So if you are an iTunes user, I'd appreciate a comment about the. Uh, about the show and how much you enjoy it. So I think that's probably for housekeeping today. And we're going to bring Linda back on the line. Linda, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sarah. I'm really pleased to be here. And uh, long-time listeners, or if you've gone back and catched the back uh, episodes, we had Linda on before talking about 19th century quilts, which was a really great episode. And we hopefully are going to have her back on again to talk about some uh, more recent research she's done. But we'll save that for another day because today we're going to get more specific about quilts and quilting and how you get started with them. So, Linda, do you want to start uh, just telling them a little bit about yourself? Um, Sure. I've been quilting for over 40 years and have had the good fortune to be able to travel all over uh, both the United States and in Canada to teach quilting workshops and do lectures for quilt guilds and shops and conferences um, and it's it's really been such fun because I get to meet such wonderful people and I'm able to share my quilts with them and, and they can share their quilts with me. And it's, it's just a, a wonderful 
um, opportunity. I feel very fortunate to be able to do all that. And you've actually, besides teaching and quilting yourself, you have put together a couple books of patterns, right? I have. I've written seven books overall and have also written several magazine articles and several uh, individual patterns for specific projects. So those projects have ranged over, I'd say, the past 20 years or so. Um, and it, they're in a variety of different quilt making techniques. I don't just do one thing. I do patchwork, I do applique, I do quilted clothing. Um, of course, my historical research with things like Laura Ingalls Wilder. Uh, so it's it's nice for me because I can explore a broad avenue of of different quilting types. So how did you get involved with quilting in the first place? Well, I had been sewing since I was a little girl. Um, I I started out making doll clothes the way a lot of people do. And it wasn't until I think I was in high school that I saw my first patchwork quilt. And I was I was just so fascinated with the whole thing. It was like a textile puzzle, uh, cutting out all these little pieces and sewing them together to make a new design. And it, it just intrigued me. And it was just prior to the bicentennial so there was a lot of interest going on then of of things that had an american heritage to them and and all of that captivated me and once i got started i couldn't stop well that was a, a time when there's a lot of this kind of uh, uh back to figuring out what our ancestors did stuff so that was kind of prime quilting time it certainly uh, was, and and it was it was a great time to get started. Um, it meant that I paved a lot of territory. Uh, there weren't a lot of quilt teachers around at that time, so it was a good opportunity for me uh, to start offering classes. and And other people that were interested began taking classes, and and so it all just grew from there. So. Let's get down to the real basics here. What exactly is a quilt? What makes up something that is a quilt? Good question. Um, a quilt, I think a good way to explain it to someone who might just be getting started or be curious about what a quilt is, is if you think of it as a textile sandwich. It's a three-layer thing that... Uh, the top layer is the layer that has the pattern on it, and that can be um, a patchwork, a geometric puzzle sort of thing, or it can be a pictorial, uh, floral applique kind of thing, but that would be the top layer. The middle layer is the fluffy stuff that gives it some thickness and provides insulation, um, what they would call batting. And that can be made out of cotton or wool or a variety of fibers. And then the bottom layer, the third layer, is the backing. That's what you would see on the back side of the quilt. And those three layers can be held together either by um, fine stitching that holds the layers together, and that's what's actually called quilting, or the layers can be tied together with a series of knots, and with that you see the the decorative tails of the knots uh, scattered over the surface of the quilt. But either way, either quilting or tying helps to anchor those three layers and gives it its its little bit of a puffy appearance. And I know the other way is really quilting, but I'm just... I like tied quilts so much because I just 
know, this is just me, but I just find it so depressing having just finished the quilt top to go and sew over the whole same thing again. And I know you're sewing different ways, but it's just my mind doesn't know it. And it's just, I like trying it. <laughs> you get that done and then boop, 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 and you're ready to go. Well, I think some of it, too, is what people uh, grew up with, what their concept of quilts is. And if you grew up with a lot of tied quilts, that's, that just evokes all kinds of fond memories for you. And so that's a fun way to uh, to complete quilts so that it's something special for you. For me, I find the quilting part to be very soothing. It gives me a chance to kind of pause and look over the pattern and study it more, uh, which you don't really get to do as much when you're constructing the quilt because quite often when you're constructing it, you're looking at the wrong side of the fabric while you're sewing pieces together. But when you're quilting it, you get to look at the right side of the fabric. And and it, it just takes on a whole new life. So, you know, there's and, and there's different things for different people. And if you don't have the, like, stiff batting, if you have, you know, something that's loose in there for stuffing, it definitely works better to have the, the quilting to hold it in. Yes. So it doesn't yeah, go all over too. the place. That's true, too. Okay, so, uh, do you still call it quilting if you do smaller projects like you see things where people do quilted clothing or table runners or wall hangings or whatever? Are those still considered quilts? Well, they're not quilts, but they are part of quilt making. It's They have quilt making techniques in them. Um, that's, that's a tough question, Sarah. I, I hadn't <laughs> thought about it that way before. Quilts can be a lot of things. They can be things that you sleep under. They can be things that you hang on the wall. Um, people can certainly make quilted pillows, um, and that's not considered a quilt, but yet it's done with quilt-making techniques. Well, I guess you'll just have to think about it a little. Right. I um, think so. Okay. So how did quilting develop? Do we, we know anything really about how this idea first began? There is evidence of layers of cloth being quilted together back like 3,000 years ago. Um, They would quilt in China, for example, three layers of fabric together to give a, a cushiony fabric that was worn under armor for soldiers so that it it protected them from the heavy armor that they were wearing. Um, Of course, it always had the insulation value, so anywhere there were cold climates, having quilted textiles was a way to keep warm. Uh, Early mattresses were actually quilted layers. So it goes back thousands of years. Um, The really Old, old quilts, of course, don't survive. Textiles are, are rather fragile, and they don't, they don't last thousands of years. But the technique itself, there's evidence that it existed long ago. So uh, getting a little bit more to the back from the history to the basic concepts, what is a quilt pattern? You hear people talk about them all the time. So what, what is that exactly? It can be two different things. Uh, Technically, a quilt pattern is the pattern of stitching that's used to hold the layers together. But more generally, people tend to think of quilt patterns as the pattern for the design that you see on the quilt top. And that can be either patchwork or applique. 
Um, and that, in general terms, is referred to as a quilt pattern. So when you're saying patchwork, that is two pieces of cloth being sewed together, and applique is you have sort of one bigger piece of cloth, and you're making shapes and sewing that second piece of cloth on the first piece. Is that on top right? Of the first. That's right. Yep. Patchwork. Okay. If you think of it as um, as a puzzle, they can be squares or triangles or rectangles that are all cut out and then pieced together to make a whole new brand a brand new piece of cloth. That would be considered patchwork. But you're right. Applique is when you have a larger background fabric and then you cut smaller shapes out of a contrasting fabric and apply or applique them on top of the original fabric. So it's more pictorial. Yes. So like um, sunbonnet Flowers too. That, or, was, that was what I yeah. had on my bed when I was growing up. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good example of an applique quilt. Yes. That was one my mom made for me. Though uh, all the ones that we had for the, the older people in, in the family, because we have some from my great-grandmother and my great-great-grandmother. And uh, my great-great-grandmother, when she was getting, uh, we've got a pink and white quilt she made. And she had always, her whole life, wanted to make a quilt out of brand new material because quilting for them had always been to give cloth a, a second life. So uh-huh. almost all of ours are just patchwork. But uh, th- this, well, this one's patchwork too, but it was made out of all new cloth. And, and oh that's my always goodness. such a, a special thing to me. And I think it was so great my mom was able to do that for her. Of course, she oh, was dead before I was born, but it, 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 was still, yeah. it, was, it was a great thing. What a treasure to have. So... Uh, if someone wanted to take up quilting now, how would they start? I would strongly recommend for people to look around and see if there is a quilt shop near them um, or a quilting guild. I I don't want people to be put off by the word guild. Sometimes people think you have to be very proficient in something before you can join a guild. But, but anymore these days, quilting guilds are really um, clubs or a place where people that have the same interests can all gather. The great thing about quilt shops is that almost all of them offer classes of some sort. Um, and the thing about quilt guilds is that it's a group of people that are interested in the same thing you're interested in, and they are at all levels of experience. So you've got great resources from either of those things to ask questions, to get feedback, to get help if you're working on a project and you get stuck along the way. Having um, some people that you can connect with while you're doing it just makes a world of difference in in the different types of quilts that you get exposed to, the ideas that you get for different projects. And it's a great way to meet people and to make friends. Now, if we go into a, a fabric store, uh, much mm-hmm. less a quilting store, you just see like at least a whole wall full of different things that you can buy. What do you actually have to have just for the basics to get started, just to try it out and see if you like it or not? Well, of course you need fabric. Uh, You need the basic sewing tools. Well, I guess first you have to decide, are you going to uh, construct the quilt top by hand or by machine? 
if you're going to do it by hand, you need needles and thread and pins and scissors and you know some basic sewing tools so that you can cut out the fabric and put the pieces together. Uh, if you're going to do it with a sewing machine, then of course you need a sewing machine. You still need thread, you still need pins, you still need scissors. Um, but you might want to get into some of the other tools that are out there now, like the rotary cutters. They are uh, very similar to a pizza cutter, but they're made for cutting fabric, and you can cut fabric much more efficiently with um, a rotary cutter. They have special rulers to go with it, Um, and there are patterns and pattern books galore at a quilt shop. Um, again, of all various levels. So make use of connecting with people in a quilt shop because they can steer you in the right direction on on what would be uh, doable for your level of sewing experience. Uh, so those those would be my suggestions for someone that wants to get started in it. And again, taking a class is a great way because you can see, if you see a project that really appeals to you, uh, this is a chance for you to get specific instructions for that specific project. And you have an instructor there that can help you along the way. So it's a great way to to learn the technique. Well, I'd like to to say again that I think the rotary cutter, if, if you are seriously going to be getting into doing multiple quilts or a big single quilt, it makes all the difference. I used to have to prep the quilt squares when we were doing the Laura Ingalls Wilder program at Usher's Ferry, and I was cutting them with our shears. And then I got, well, my grandmother got a uh, a mat and a rotary cutter, and man, it was it's like night and day. It's life-changing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really, truly is. Yeah, I think... Many, many more quilts are being made today than were being made 30 years ago because of the rotary cutter. It really changed what people could do and and what they could accomplish. It's an amazing time saver. It is, especially if you're doing a lot, you know, a repeated pattern so you can do a lot of the same shapes. Just it's very nice. <laughs> Yes, and the sound effects are important too. That <laughs> well, I find, well, you didn't see it, of course, but I was also rolling my hand on oh, okay. being the rotary cutter going along. But of course, but when I get the picture in my head, it comes out. Okay, so uh, is there a particular project that you recommend people start with? Um, you know, like if you're doing regular sewing, a lot of times they'll recommend things like those, you know, those circle hats, like they used to have nightcaps or uh, straight aprons with a po- patch pocket because, you know, they're really simple with not too many seams. Is there mm-hmm. a project like that for, for quilts? Well, if you're going to start out with hand piecing, for example, I would recommend starting out with something like a nine patch block it's one that's made up of three squares in a row and then three rows put together so it looks almost like a tic-tac-toe board it's a block divided up into nine segments and that would give you a chance to get the experience of of how to cut accurately how to join straight seams accurately uh, to get the puzzle pieces to fit together. And then once you're familiar with the technique, you can branch out into other shapes that might have trickier angles to them, for example. Um, If you're doing something by machine, I would look for a pattern that doesn't have 
a gazillion pieces to it because that can be very discouraging when you're first starting out. Um, but choose something that that appeals to you, that's that excites you when you look at it because that's what's going to keep you interested and keep you working on it. Okay, so as you're sitting there and kind of getting the timeline in your head for making this project, and this is something I didn't realize until my cousin got in really into quilting, does the same person have to sew the quilt top and do the quilting? No, they do not. More and more people are um, are hiring someone else to quilt the three layers of the quilt sandwich together for them. There's a whole industry that has sprung up of uh, people called long arm quilters. Long arm refers to the specialized sewing machine that they use that can uh, handle a really large textile surface. And so you can hire somebody to do the quilting for you. You don't have to do that final construction step if that doesn't appeal to you. So oftentimes the project will have more than one person working on it. And, one person uh, might make the top and then they hire somebody else to, to do the quilting on it. And those long arm things, you can, it's really, they usually have a couple at the state fair and it's just fascinating to watch them. They can sometimes they'll have like programmed in so they'll just move on their own and then sometimes it's freestyle and the person's there moving it around and it's just really super cool to see and even if you aren't into quilts try and get to see one sometime because it really is a fascinating machine it really is they're they're quite the quite the invention yes they are they're just uh, as i say i go and look for them every year because i just can't get over looking at them i mean it's Uh, so, um, if you just want to do the quilt top, how would you find somebody to do the quilting for you? Oftentimes, quilt shops will have a list of long-arm quilters in the area that are available for hire, and you can contact them uh, to see if they have any openings. Oftentimes, long-arm quilters uh, are booked way in advance because there's so many people that, you know, want to hire them for their, for their skills. Um, and again, a quilt guild is a great resource because they often have a list of people that do long arm quilting. If you get a chance to do something like go to the state fair or go to any one of the many quilt shows that are popping up around the country, take a look at the cards that are identifying each quilt because it will list, if somebody else did the quilting, it will list who that person was. And this gives you a chance to see what their work looks like. And if it's a style that appeals to you, you can then contact them to Mm -hmm. see if they can do your quilt. Well, you know, I normally look to see what the pattern name is more than the person's name. I guess I will have to start reading the entire little card there by the state. There you go. There's a whole bunch of information you've been missing out on. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and you know, for me, if if unless I had a special reason for it, if I wanted to do a quilt, I'd go upstairs to my grandmother's fabric box and start pulling things out, or my fabric box where I unfortunately buy fabric that I don't need every single time I go to the fabric store. But <laughs> you say that like nope. it's a bad thing. <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> normal people, I have been told, do not have that kind of resources available. So um, where would you recommend new quilters buy fabric? I always like to be able to feel the fabric that I'm buying because you can you can tell a lot about the quality of a fabric by actually touching it and handling it and seeing if uh, if it's firmly woven, if it's going to wrinkle, if the pattern is printed clearly on it. Uh, so I always encourage people to support quilt shops. Uh, they are people that are specializing in your interests and uh, making a point of, of supplying quality products. Uh, so if you have the opportunity to shop at a local quilt shop, do so. Um, of course, there are things available online. Um, and the only disadvantage there is that you don't get to feel the fabric. Uh, but if you do order something online and you like the quality of what you get, then you've got a resource there that you know you can go back to again and again. And it does really make a lot of difference. You know, a muslin isn't necessarily a muslin, and a calico isn't necessarily a calico. You can the, For the weight, how it's sharply, crisply, it's printed, if it's got a right and a wrong, which I always like to have when I'm doing something like a quilt, a really obvious right, a really obvious wrong. Right, yeah, yeah. Fabric comes in different qualities depending on how many threads per inch are in the weave of the cloth, and the, that's called the thread count, and the higher the thread count, uh, generally the better the quality of the fabric. And discount stores carry fabric that has a lower thread count, so the fabric isn't as firm, it isn't as firmly woven, uh, it's not as strong, it might not last as long. So you need to uh, think about what the purpose of your project is. If it's something that you want to last for generations, something that's an heirloom that you want to be passed down, then invest in quality materials because you're putting your time into it and you want it to last. Uh, if you're doing something that is more disposable, um, then then maybe something less expensive would be okay. But, but I really strongly urge people to uh, invest in quality. You're, you deserve it. You deserve to work with the best that you can afford to work with. And since we're talking about fabric, I'm going to pull one of my questions up from near the bottom since we're getting about out of time. Uh, you hear, if you listen to like quilting shows or people talk about quilting, you hear people talk about a fat quarter. And I don't yes. think that a lot of uh, people who aren't quilters understand what that means. So do you want to tell us? You bet. Um, when If you were to buy a quarter of a yard of fabric, that would usually fabric is 44 inches wide or, or in that range, uh, a quarter yard would be nine inches. So it would give you a piece nine by 44. What a fat quarter is, is half a yard of fabric that has been split in half along the width. So instead of being 9 by 44, it's 18 by 22. So for a lot of quilting projects, it gives you a more usable size of fabric. You can cut more pieces out of it, you know, depending on the size of the piece. Uh, so they, they talk about fat quarters. It, it just gives you a more usable piece of fabric. It's, it's the same square inches as a quarter yard. It's just shaped a little differently. Yeah, I that's think a that's great one way, of 
that's a great way to add a lot of different fabrics to your collection of fabrics too is to buy fat quarters because you can get a lot of different prints in nice usable sizes. Okay, we are almost out of time. These episodes just go so fast, but I wanted to give you another chance. Uh, is there any particular tips that you would give someone who is starting to quilt? I'm going to give a little plug for my website only because there is a section on there called Tips and Hints. And the first of the month, every month, I put a new tip on there, and all of the old tips for the past, I think it's going on 10 years now, are still there. And many of the tips are really good ones for people just getting started in quilting. Um, And some of them are good reviews for people that have been at it for a while but maybe have forgotten uh, some of the basics. So uh, check out www.lindahelpen.com. And and there's a lot of, of... I think good ideas there that can help people out for for tips. And again, support local quilt stores and and find a guild to belong to because you can learn an awful lot from other people and what their experiences have been. And uh, you just gave your your website, but do you want to tell them the titles of the two kind of Laura-connected pattern books you've come out with? The the pattern book that I've written that uh, is geared towards hand piecing, which is the way Laura Ingleswilder did her patchwork, is called Quilting with Laura. And that's a collection of 14 patterns that each tell part of her story of, of how she moved uh, through the West and what her experiences were. Um, I have just recently also published a pattern called Little House Sampler, which is many of the same quilt blocks but with this with the little house sampler pattern they are machine sewing techniques so uh, that's geared more for the modern day quilter who wants to try lots of different patterns and and put them together in a quilt that that kind of tells a prairie adventure Uh, and both of those are available on my website Well, thank you so much for coming on, Linda. I really have enjoyed having you here, and I always love a good chance to talk about quilting, so I really appreciate having you on. Oh, thank you so much. The time went so fast. If anyone has any other questions, um, do have them contact me, you know, through my website. I'm I'm happy to talk to other people that want to get interested in quilting. Well, and spread the word that it went fast, because people always say that. I ask them to come on, and they go, well, that's a long time. And then when they get done, they said, boy, that goes fast. And it, <laughs> it really does. does. <laughs> I, I take it because it's, it's such an interesting conversation because it's with me. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just that when you really do get into more than the the real surface of something, you know, it's easy to talk about it for quite a while. So It is. Well, it is. I'm glad that you could come on and thank you for sharing your love of quilts and quilting. And we are going to look forward to having you come back hopefully fairly soon to talk about your research and hope that all you listeners will come back to catch our next episode of Trendlebed Tales. Remember to brighten the corner where you are. Thank you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.